Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, we're talking about strokes today, and it's a kind of a loss of yourself. Um, you know, a stroke occurs when the blood supply to part of your brain is interrupted or reduced, and it basically it prevents the brain tissue from getting oxygen and nutrients. And so then the brain cells begin to die almost right away. And a stroke is is really a medical emergency, and it, you've got to get prompt treatment, 911 right away when this is happening because that that early action can reduce brain damage and other complications. And the good news is that many fewer people are dying of stroke now than in the past because effective treatments can also help prevent the disability from a stroke. So what are these symptoms? I mean, if you or someone uh, maybe having a stroke, you got to really pay attention to the time the symptoms began. Some treatment options are most effective when given sooner after a stroke begins. So the signs would be trouble speaking and understanding what other people are saying. That's that's one of the big ones. And you may experience confusion, slur, slurred words, or have difficulty understanding speech. And then there's also a paralysis or a numbness in your face, your arms, your legs. You may develop a sudden numbness, a weakness, uh, uh, and often this affects just one side of your body. So what you want to do is try to raise your arms over your head at the same time. If one arm begins to fall, you may be having a stroke. Also, uh, one side of your mouth may droop when you try to smile. And so... A lot of people have another thing, another symptom, and that's problem seeing in one or both eyes. So you may suddenly have blurred or blackened vision in one or both eyes, and you may see double. Also, headaches are very common. A sudden severe headache, which may be accompanied by vomiting or dizziness or altered consciousness, that probably indicates that you're having a stroke. So you want to also trouble walking. That's another big one. You may stumble or lose your balance. You may have a a sudden dizziness or a loss of coordination. And so these are the big signs of a stroke. And and you want to get that attention right away. You know, uh, uh, if you're going to test it, you know, try to smile, see what happens, see if your face droops. Uh, Your arms, once again, raise both arms and see what's going on there. Speech, you know, speaks repeated phrases, you know, to see if this uh, speech is slurred or strange. And also, if you observe any of these signs, once again, 911, immediately, because the sooner you get this knocked out, the better. So, you know, looking at this, uh, you have to, you know, if you're most Americans, you, you plan your future. And when you take a job, you you examine the benefits of the plan. But when you buy a home, you consider its location, its condition, so that your investment is safe. Today, more and more Americans are uh, protecting their assets, but they're not always protecting their brain. And that means nutrition. And that means taking care of yourself. You know, strokes 
rank as the fourth leading killer, that is just in the United States. And a stroke can be uh, devastating to individuals and their families. It robs them of their independence. You know, it's the most common cause of an adult disability. And each year, about 795,000 Americans, and that's just here in the United States, have a stroke with about 160,000 dying. And and of uh, the stroke related causes, and so that is a, a huge statistic, and it needs to definitely be considered. So you know, what are some of the the risk factors? You know, uh, if you look at it, uh, age is a big one. Stroke occurs in all age groups, but the studies show the risk of a stroke doubles for each decade between the age of fifty five and eighty five. But strokes can also occur in childhood and adolescence. Although, uh, you know, the stroke may be considered a disease of aging, the risk of a stroke in childhood is actually highest during the prenatal period and uh, or pernatal period. Sorry about that, which is, encompasses the last few months of the fetal life and the first few weeks after birth. Also, gender. Men have a higher risk of stroke in young and middle age, but rates even uh out as the as they get older and the more women die from stroke and men generally do not live as long as women so men are uh, usually younger when they have their strokes and therefore have a higher rate of uh, survival and also race is a big factor you know people from certain ethnic groups have a higher risk of stroke um, for Americans uh, African Americans the stroke is more common and more deadly even in young and middle-aged adults uh, than for any ethnic or other racial group in the United States. And studies show that the age-adjusted incidence of stroke is about twice as high in African Americans and Hispanic Americans as Caucasian. White stroke incidence has declined for whites since the 90s, and there's not been a decline in Hispanics and black Americans. An important risk factor for African-Americans is sickle cell disease, which can cause a narrowing of the arteries, and it basically disrupts the blood flow. And so those type of uh, things can cause various stroke subtypes. Also, family history of a stroke. Stroke seems to run in some families, and several factors may contribute to family uh, stroke. You know, members of a family might have a genetic tendency for a stroke. Uh, and uh, such as an inherited predisposition of high blood pressure, hypertension, or diabetes. And so the influence of a common lifestyle among family members also could contribute to a familial uh, uh, stroke. So, so what are some of the treatable risk factors? Well, number one is high blood pressure, uh, which was, in other words, is called hypertension. You know, hypertension is by far the most potent risk factor for a stroke. Hypertension causes a two to four-fold increase in the risk of stroke before the age 80. And if your blood pressure is high, you and your doctor need to work out an individual strategy to bring it down to a normal range. Some ways at work is maintaining proper weight, avoiding drugs, you know, that raise your blood pressure. You want to eat right, cut down on salt, eat fruits and vegetables to increase the potassium in your diet. And obviously, we all need to exercise more. You know, your doctor may prescribe medicines that help lower the pressure. Controlling blood pressure will also help you avoid heart disease, diabetes, kidney failure, all of that.
Also, I don't even know why they're so expensive, but people still smoke cigarettes. And cigarette smoking causes about two-fold increase in the risk of a, a stroke and up to four-fold increase in the risk of a, of a hemorrhagic stroke. And it's been linked to the buildup of fatty substances in, in, in the cartoid artery and the main neck artery supplying blood to the brain. And so the blockage of the artery is the leading cause of stroke in Americans. And also nicotine raises blood pressure. Carbon monoxide from smoking reduces your amount of oxygen in your blood. And cigarette smoke makes your blood thicker and more likely to clot. And so smoking also promotes uh, aneurysms. And, and your doctor can recommend programs and medications that may help you quit smoking, but quitting at any age, you reduce your risk of lung disease, heart disease, and another uh, lung cancer, and obviously stroke. Also, heart disease is very prominent with people who have strokes. And common heart disorders, such as artery uh, disease or a valve defect or a regular heartbeat, um, an enlargement of your heart's chambers can result in blood clots, which may break loose and block vessels in, in leading up to the brain. And so the, this, uh, you know, this, this responsibility uh, of ours is to take care of our heart and take care of our brain and take care of our blood supply. But a lot of folks ignore it and they don't realize that they're building themselves up to having a stroke. And once you have a stroke, it is very difficult to get your freedom back, your life back the way you used to be. There's a lot of grieving and mourning and it's a very difficult thing to move through. You know, there's the, 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 if you're experiencing a, uh, uh, a stroke, you know, get help at once. You know, your risk of having stroke is many times greater than someone who's never had one if you are one of those folks who doesn't take care of yourself. Also, if you have diabetes, you know, in terms of uh, stroke and cardiovascular disease, having uh, uh, diabetes is equivalent of aging 15 years. And, and you may think this disorder affects only the, the body's ability to, to, to use sugar or glucose, but it also causes a lot of destructive changes in the blood vessels throughout the body, including the brain. And it, it, if blood glucose levels are high at the time of a stroke, then brain damage is usually more severe and extensive than when the blood glucose is well controlled. So hypertension is common among diabetics and accounts for much of their increased stroke risk. And so treating diabetes can delay the onset of complications that increase the risk of a stroke. Also, cholesterol imbalance, low-density lipoprotein cholesterol, LDL, carries cholesterol, which is a fatty substance, through the blood and delivers it to cells. But if you have too much LDL, that can cause cholesterol to build up in the blood vessels, leads to uh, possibly a heart attack or the blood vessel narrowing, and that will definitely lead to a heart attack or a stroke. So, you know, if you're going to be obese, inactive, don't take care of yourself, have hypertension, diabetes, heart disease, uh, you know, your, your waist uh, circumference to your hip circumference ratio is equal or above, the mid value for the population increases the stroke. That means if we're fat, we're going to be a high risk for a stroke. Some of the most important 
risk factors for a stroke can be determined during a physical exam. So why not go and get that? Go to the doctor and see what the heck's going on, especially if you're over 55 like me. You know, the the thing is that we have to take care of ourselves, but we also need to take care of our brain. That is a big thing. If we don't take care of our brain, there is a good chance that we are going to sustain something in our brain that's going to cause trouble, like a stroke. Um, or if we're going to you know, entertain heart disease, we're inviting the potential to have a stroke. So, you know, you want to exercise. You know, it's important to get out there and do cardio every single day of your life if you can. You know, the brain is extremely complex organ and it controls all of your body functions. So if a stroke occurs, the blood flow can't reach the region that controls a particular body function and that part of the body won't work as it should. So if the stroke occurs towards the back of your brain, for instance, it's likely that some disability involving vision will result. So the effects of a stroke depend primarily on the location of the obstruction and the extent of brain tissue affected. Also, the effects of a stroke depend on several factors, including the location of the obstruction and how much brain tissue is affected. So because one side of the brain controls the opposite side of the body, so a stroke affecting one side is going to result in neurological complications in the side of the body it affects. So let's say you have a left brain stroke. If the stroke occurs in that side, the right side of the body will be affected and it produces some of the following symptoms. Paralysis of the right side of the body, speech and language problems, slow, cautious behavioral style, uh, memory loss. And if it happens in the right brain, you know, if it occurs there, it's going to produce some of the following. A paralysis on the left side of the body, vision problems, quick inquisitive behavior style and memory loss. Also, when a stroke occurs in the brain stem, depending on the severity of the injury, it can affect both sides of the body and may leave someone in a locked-in state. And in a locked-in state, the patient is generally unable to speak or achieve any movement below the neck. So brainstem strokes can have really, really complex symptoms, and they can be difficult to diagnose. So if a person may have vertigo or dizziness or severe imbalance without the hallmark of most strokes, but the weakness in one side of the body, the symptoms of vertigo or dizziness or imbalance usually occur together. So dizziness alone is not a sign of a stroke, but a brainstem stroke can also cause double vision, slurred speech, and decreased consciousness. So if, if, if it's like a half inch in diameter, the brainstem controls all of our basic activities in the central nervous system, like our consciousness, our blood pressure, our breathing, all motor control for our bodies flow through the brainstem. Brainstem strokes really can impair all of these functions and more severe brainstem strokes uh, can create that locked-in syndrome where from the neck down, you're pretty much paralyzed, you know, and and some people can only move their eyes in that sense. You know, if a stroke in the brainstem results from a clot, the faster blood flow can be restored. So the better chances for recovery. So people, when they have strokes, they get got to get that treatment right off the bat. 
like all strokes, brainstem strokes produce a huge spectrum of deficits and recovery. Whether, whether a, a survivor has a minor or severe deficit depends on the location of the stroke within the brain stem. So the extensive injury and how quickly treatment is provided is risky. You know, there's risk factors for brainstem stroke. And it's the same as for all other strokes, as we mentioned before, high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, atrial fibrillation, smoking. You know, similarly, uh, brainstem strokes can be caused by a clot or a hemorrhage. And there are also uh, uh, rare causes like injury to an artery due to sudden head or neck movements. So recovery is possible. And that's what we're going to go into later here because there's hope. You know, brainstem strokes do not usually affect language ability, but the patient is often able to participate more fully in rehabilitation if it's a brainstem stroke. Double vision and vertigo usually resolve actually after a few weeks of recovery uh, in mild to moderate brainstem strokes. You know, uh, it's basically if we look at the neurology of the brain from a neurological perspective, it's it's a it's a, a rapidly a stroke is a rapidly developing disturbance of cerebral function, so it's global. Uh, it, the symptoms last 24 hours or longer and lead to death, with no apparent cause other than that of vascular origin. So over the decade, there has been a decrease in the incidence and mortality, probably secondary to improve measures to treat hypertension, less smoking, better management of heart disease, better management of diet. However, stroke is three to four, uh, either number three or number four in the leading cause of death. And so, you know, looking at that, it's huge and it's important for us to take this seriously. All right, come back. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the neurology, and then we're going to move on into how to take care of yourself. Come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. And also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers channels. Transformation takes one step at a time. It's time. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. 
Tune in each week for the power of young people to change the world. Hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about strokes and how it can take away from who you really are. You know, there are a lot of uh, psychological uh, impacts that happen after a stroke. Not only we've been talking about all the medical impacts, but what's more important is we focus on the psychological impact. You know, depression, people that have strokes, depression is about 35% of that population. Also, uh, bipolar disorder is rare. Also, mania is rare. But anxiety disorder is the other one that comes along with it, and that's about 25% of that population. Apathy is a big deal with these folks. When people have a stroke, the, the sense of giving up, the sense of no emotions, the sense of not caring, that flat affect is what it's called, is apathy. And that's about 20% of the population of people with strokes. Also, um, a, a, a catastrophic reaction causing either uh, um, acute anxiety or PTSD is often a part of it too. Um, there is a, but the biggest part of it is depression. I mean, depression is really pervasive with strokes, and uh, decreased and increased appetite, uh, weight becomes an issue or non-issue, insomnia or hyperinsomnia, uh, decreased interest or pleasure. These are the things folks commonly uh, feel: psychomotor agitation and retardation of the psychomotor. Uh, abilities, also the loss of energy, feelings of worthlessness, inappropriate guilt, uh, loss of concentration, and suicidal thoughts are definitely a part of any kind of stroke. A lot of folks have that. They have the depression, they have the anxiety, and then they lead into hopelessness and helplessness, especially if they're having to depend on people they never depend on. You know, can you imagine if you had a stroke to have to have somebody go to the bathroom with you just to make sure you don't fall or to wipe your butt? I mean, that's not fun. That's not something anybody wants or to have to take a shower and be watched by people that you may not know. You know, the healing process is very traumatic because many people after a stroke end up in a, in a in a, a facility where they're trying to heal. And that may take a few weeks. It may take the six weeks, a month, two months, whatever. And some of these folks, when they have a severe stroke, they're, they're stuck. 
and these facilities have people to help you, but you have no freedom at all. And they control, they have to roll you over in the bed. They have to change your clothes. I mean, if you're a shy person or you're a person, you know, who doesn't like other people touching you, that is not what's going to happen after a, a major stroke. It's something that you're going to have to submit yourself to the idea that you're going to have to have people take care of you until you rehabilitate. You know, uh, guilt, hopelessness, uh, suicidal thoughts, like I said, that's what comes along with it. And so, you know, if you don't have, uh, li- if you have a limited support, uh, loss of independence is going to be overwhelming for you. So it's important for a person to allow themselves to build uh, uh, social support for themselves especially after a stroke, and especially you can uh, get online and actually join uh, communities and blogs of other folks that have healed from strokes. You know, uh, stroke survivors develop uh, depression almost hours to days after the stroke following the pattern of what's classically called reactive depression because they're reacting to exactly the condition that this takes place after they've now lost their freedom by having a stroke. And uh, it is the number one cause of disability, by the way, and it's the number three to number four cause of death once again in the United States. Now, I'm not trying to be the Grim Reaper here, but I am trying to help you become aware that there are many, many serious aspects to a stroke that can be helped and there's some that can't be helped. And so, you know, usually what you're gonna find is when people recover from the stroke, they're not going to fully gain who they were and what they were able to do. There's usually some limitations, but hopefully, Um, um, your support and your therapy and your physical therapy help you heal to recover most if not all of your skills and your abilities and your freedom. So there's uh, uh, also a a team that analyzed the structural magnetic uh, resonance images of participants' brains before and after treatment and they found that only only participants who received the transfer package showed a significant increase in gray matter, which is important to the brain, you know, and, and, and the transfer package is, holds such power. Now, what is a transfer? It's something that was particularly interesting because it what it basically does with the magnetic therapy is it, it changes the blood flow in the brain and it alters it to some degree, which can also impact the brain in a way that it comes out of depression, but it also begins to treat the area that has been affected by a stroke. So that that is a really good form of therapy for people with strokes. You know, uh, the, those kind of things uh, really are, are, are coming to light about five years ago or maybe 10 years ago that that kind of therapy can be very effective, not only for psychology reasons, but for um, strokes. You know, depression and anxiety are very common, like I said, and we have to take, you know, special care for, for people, especially people that are caregivers for stroke victims. You know, if you're a part of a stroke victim support system, there's some really important things that you have to do also, and that is to listen to their thoughts and the, the stroke victim and make sure they are supported by you no matter what, because they have to trust you. Non-judgmental peer and family support can be really effective way to help people 
with uh, mild depression and anxiety after a stroke. Also, you want to encourage communication between your loved one and the stroke survivors. So, you know, each phase of recovery is different. Hearing the stories of others can provide encouragement. Understanding uh, uh, that there's a light at the end of the tunnel can be very important. So connection to stroke survivors can be found through online reading, support group participation, or even uh, stroke-based phone advice lines. And so there's a lot of support out there for people who've had strokes and people who support people who have had strokes. And also you want to promote creativity and stimulating activity because it's helpful for someone who's had a stroke to remember that they can still keep up with some old hobbies and learn some new skills. Some activities may include coloring pages, crosswords, making music, you know, uh, board games. You know, people that have had a stroke often feel more self-confident and validated in their abilities when they realize that they can continue to complete simple activities by themselves. And sometime out there in the community, if they spend time out there, you know, after a stroke, people may want to hide from the world, especially if they're experiencing anxiety or depression. That's a big deal. They often do that. They often will just... just uh, uh, hold themselves up in their home and they are super conscious of their body and their changes and they don't want to be exposed to other people looking at them. But spending time with your loved one outside of the home and including them in a group activities can really help remind them that they belong to a community and, and check out the local gym or a shopping center, work on gardening tasks, play play team games like, like bowling or visit a movie theater, just sit and have coffee and people watch and, and help remember that the things are, are out there that they can enjoy. That's an important part of having a stroke. Here's another thing that that is, I think, extremely important. If you've had a debilitating stroke, let's say that you have a cane or you have a, you know, you need help with something. Maybe you can't raise your arm to open a door, something like that. You know, people love to help people. And what you are doing, if you're allowing other people to help you, is you're helping them be a better person. If you're, if you're slow walking across the street and somebody's staring at you in their truck or in their car, well, guess what? You're giving them a chance to learn how to be patient. You're giving them a chance to be a better person. Anybody that helps somebody with a disability is learning how to be a better person. And you, if you're a stroke victim, are the person that's giving them that opportunity. And that is a great way to spread goodness. There is good that can come out of a bad thing like a stroke. You know, the, the, you got to also look for little victories and that add up to major victories. You know, when you're working with, uh, with, with people that have had a stroke, don't forget to acknowledge their achievements, no matter how small. You know, it's easy for people to uh, overlook the small stuff, but it can be motivating when someone else notices. So if you remember and you're supporting someone who's had a stroke, remember the little wins that add up to major victories. Keep in mind these strategies are not a substitute for professional assistance, but if you feel that, 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 that a stroke victim is in danger of becoming seriously withdrawn or suicidal, get some advice, get a therapist, get somebody out there that can help them. Social workers, therapists, psychologists, uh, psychiatrists, whatever it takes, 
it's important that they get professional help if they're starting to hibernate and hide and and uh, show signs that they're giving in to their stroke. <clears throat> the best way to prevent a stroke, by the way, is to eat healthy, exercise regularly, avoid smoking and drinking too much alcohol. If you can do that, you're on your way to stepping away from the idea of getting a stroke. It doesn't mean you're not going to get a stroke, but it means you're diminishing the statistical odds that you would get a stroke. And that's important. Diet, you know, if it's an unhealthy diet, you're you're increasing your chances of having a stroke because it may lead to an increase in your blood pressure and your cholesterol levels. So a low-fat, High-fiber diet is usually recommended, including fresh fruit, vegetables, and whole grains. Those are an incredible balance, and if you can do that, you're helping yourself. Also, exercise, exercise, exercise. Lower the amount of salt you eat because if you don't exercise, you're not able to sweat out the toxins in your body, which also contributes to having poor health. You know, but regular exercise, you know, Two hours and 30 minutes a week of aerobic activity, you know, if you're cycling or fast walking, is recommended. But I would say daily and make it something that you don't negotiate with your feelings. Do I feel like it? Do I not feel like it? Because you'll never do it consistently if you go by your feelings. You have to set up a regimen that you follow no matter what, whether you're emotionally attached or not emotionally attached. You need to just do it. And make make the activity fun, uh, make it important. You know, I, I do the Peloton thing every morning and uh, tour the world, which is incredible uh, to be able to do that on rides with other people, racing against other people sometimes. And, you know, I'm listening to me. I'm a Christian, so I'm listening to the Bible. I'm listening to all kinds of books, listening to all kinds of research uh, to do this show and to do my job as a therapist. And so that is a really, really important thing for us to do to take care of ourselves. You know, injury to the brain caused by a stroke can lead to long-lasting problems. You know, although some people recover quickly, Many people who've had a stroke need long-term support to help them gain as much independence as possible. But promising somebody that they're going to get back to who they were, that, that they're going to completely heal, is the wrong thing to do. It's the wrong thing to do. It's more about trying to accept where you're at and make peace with that and then grow and heal as much as you can to get your life back. You know? You want to read about your, your care after a discharge from a hospital. You know, it, it's important to really understand what that care is going to look like because that alone, you know, being withheld from your family, your children, your grandchildren, whatever, that can be really traumatic for someone to not only have gone through a stroke, but then they have to go to a care facility where they're able to support and help you. That transition can be very difficult um, because. Once again, you're subjected to people you don't know, and they're seeing you naked, they're seeing you at your worst, they're seeing you at your best, and they're having to do everything that you normally could do for yourself. You know, there, there's also specialists that help with rehabilitation. There's uh, physiotherapists, there's occupational therapists, there's psychologists, speech and language therapists, dietitians, specialist nurses, and doctors. 
And so you'll be encouraged to actively participate in a rehabilitation process if you recover from a stroke and work with that team to set goals and you want to achieve that during that recovery. You know, there's some different methods uh, also about common problems caused by strokes and uh, you can get some help from the uh, National Institute of Healthcare Excellence which is stroke rehabilitation. You can get from the uh, Stroke Association, the effects of the stroke. Also, healthtalk.org has some real stories about living with the stroke. You know, the big psychological problem, though, once again, is depression. And many people experience intense bouts of crying, feel helpless, feel withdrawn from social activities, And also, these people oftentimes feel anxiety, where people have general feelings of fear and anxiety, sometimes moments of intense, uncontrollable feelings of anxiety, panic attacks, and also feelings of anger and frustration and bewilderment are also very common, and grieving. Grieving is a very long process. If you're grieving what you used to be compared to what you are now, that is going to drive you absolutely insane. You need to focus on making peace for where you are now, not fighting where you are now or comparing yourself to where you are now and where you were before. It's important to understand you got to work with what you got, not what you don't have. And so, you know, the cognitive impact of a stroke is also uh, uh, um, uh, common. The communication, uh, spatial awareness, memory, uh, long-term and short-term, depending. Also, your executive function, which is your ability to plan, solve problems, reason about situations, is also a common cognitive factor. Concentration is a common uh, affected by this and the ability to carry out uh, you know carry out skilled physical activities like getting dressed or making a cup of tea can also be uh, prevented and it can also be something that you work to get back and so you need to create hope and we're going to talk about that in this next segment so come back change your world Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? 
Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, Please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about strokes and how we lose part of ourselves after a stroke. You know, you can be taught a whole range of techniques that can help you learn disruptive cognitive functions, such as recovering your communication skills through speech and language therapy. And there are many ways to compensate for any loss of cognitive functions, such as using memory aids, diaries, routines to help plan your daily tasks. And so many cognitive functions will return over time and rehabilitation, but you need to be consistent and you need to be persistent. And you may find that they don't return exactly the way you remember them. But uh, the damage a stroke causes your brain also increases the developing of of vascular dementia. So uh, this may happen immediately after a stroke or may develop some time after the stroke has happened. So, you know, movement problems... With those things, with that kind of stuff, uh, movement problems after stroke, it, it causes basically a weakness or a paralysis in one side of the body, usually, and can result in coordination and balance. So many people also experience extreme tiredness and fatigue in the first few weeks after stroke, and they also have difficulty sleeping, making them even more tired. And as a part of rehabilitation, a person that has a stroke should be seen by a physiotherapist who who will access the extent of any physical disability for creating a treatment strategy. And physiotherapy will often involve several sessions a week that focuses on areas such as exercises to improve your muscle strength and overcome any walking difficulties. And, and the, the, the physiotherapist will work with you by setting goals. At first, these may be simple but uh, such as picking up an object or something like that. But as it improves, more uh, demanding long-term goals, such as standing or walking, will be set. And a care worker or care, uh, carer, a person that's taking care of you, such as a member of your family, will also be encouraged to become involved in physiotherapy after a stroke. And the physiotherapist can treat you uh, both simple exercises that you can do at home. And if you have problems with movement or certain activities, such as getting washed or dressed, you may receive help from an occupational therapist. And they can find ways to manage 
any difficulties because occupational therapy may involve adapting your home or using equipment to make everyday activities easier like putting bars in the shower or putting bars in the toilet by the toilet and they could be temporary by the way and finding alternative ways of achieving things that you have problems with you know and so you know in looking at that you really need to focus on treatment after a stroke and you need to take it serious. You know, after having a stroke, a lot of people experience problems speaking and understanding and having the patience to read and write. You know, if the parts of the brain responsible for language are damaged, uh, this is called aphasia or dysphagia. And, and there's weakness in the muscles involved in speech as a result of the brain damage, which is uh, uh, <laughs> prevalent and, and you should see a speech and language therapist if you've had a stroke and that's the way you're affected and they can assess and 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 do an assessment and plan uh, therapy goals for you in that direction you know they may give you exercises to improve your control over your speech muscles um, use some communication aids like uh, letter charts or electronic aids or use alternative methods of communication like gestures or writing or sign language. There's also, sadly, sometimes people have swallowing problems after a stroke and that damage it can interrupt your normal swallowing reflex. And so it's possible for small particles of food to enter your windpipe. And the problems with swallowing is known as dys, uh, dysphagia. And, and, and dysphagia can lead to lung damage, which can trigger lung infections. And so you may need to, to be fed using a feeding tube during the initial phases of your recovery to pre prevent any complications from swallowing. Um, you know, God forbid you don't want to suffocate after you had a stroke. You know, it's, it, it may be uh, sometimes that the tube is, is usually uh, put in your nose or passed into your stomach. Or it may be directly connected to your stomach in a small operation, uh, basically with a, a local anesthetic. And, and in long term, you, you usually see speech and language therapists several times a week to manage your swallowing problems. Also, people have visual problems after strokes. And that's not everybody, and, but some people do. And that that's, can sometimes damage the parts of the brain that receive and process and interpret information sent by the eyes. And, you know, the optical nerve goes all the way to the back of the brain. And um, that field of vision, if that's affected, it could be on the right or the left side or maybe just in front of you. And it can also uh, affect the control of the eye muscles, which causes basically double vision. And if you have problems with your vision after a stroke, you'll be referred to an eye specialist and uh, basically uh, they will suggest treatments and figure out ways to help your eyes get back to some form of being able to see properly. Here's the other one that happens after a stroke sometimes, and that's bladder and bowel control. And some strokes damage the part of the brain that controls the bladder and the bowel. And this can result in uh, urinary incontinence and difficulty with your bowel control. And some people may regain bladder and bowel control quite quickly. But if you still have problems after leaving the hospital, help is available from the hospital or your general practitioner or even some kind of specialist uh, doctors that do treat that. So it's important to take care of these things right away after a stroke. Go right into treatment immediately after a stroke and don't hesitate. 
Also, unfortunately, some people uh, have problems with sex after a stroke, and having sex will put you at a higher risk of having another, will not, excuse me, if you have sex, it's not going to put you at a risk of having a stroke, but there's no guarantee you'll not have another stroke, but there's no reason why that should happen when you're having sex. But even if you have been left with a severe disability, you can experiment with different positions and find new ways of being uh, intimate with someone and and be aware that, that medicines can reduce your sex drive also. So make sure your doctor knows that if you have a problem, there may be other medicines that can help or maybe something that you're taking currently that is causing you to have a low sex drive. But that can be common, uh, and, and you really want to talk to your doctor about that. Another thing is driving. You know, if you've had a stroke, you cannot drive for a month. Whether you can return to driving depends on what long-term disabilities you may have and the type of vehicle you drive. And it's often physical problems that can make driving dangerous. But problems with concentration, vision, reaction time, awareness that can develop after a stroke also put you at a great danger as a driver. And so you want to make sure that you're assessing your ability to do that. You don't want to put other people in danger and yourself in danger by driving after you've had a stroke and not really assessed exactly what kind of damage has taken place. You want to know exactly where you stand after a stroke in all ways, shapes, form, and fashion, physical, communication, everything, uh, everything about your brain. You want to test to see what if, if there's any limitations that are going on. You know, lifestyle changes also sadly uh, happen after a stroke and not before. Um, but if you can do these things before, it would be great. That's stop smoking. That's uh, take medication to lower your high blood pressure. Um, to, to reduce your blood clots with anticoagulants or statins to lower your cholesterol level, be welcome to that. Take advantage of the fact that we live in a day and age where there is medication and supplements that are natural that can assist us in managing our cholesterol and managing our high blood pressure. But the biggest thing is we need to take better care of ourselves with our diet and our exercise. And limiting the amount of alcohol that we drink. You know, if you're going to care for someone who's had a stroke, there, there's many ways you can help them. You know, get them to their support, get them to their physiotherapy, get them to their, their whatever therapy, if they need eye therapy, if they need uh, uh, physical therapy, whatever it is, be a part of that and help them manage that. And, and be prepared for change behavior. When someone who's had a stroke they can often seem as though they've had a change in personality and appear to act irrational at times. And this is a result of psychological and cognitive impact of the stroke. It's frustrating to be able to have been normal and to live and to function normal. And then all of a sudden, your whole uh, way of going through your life is suddenly taken away. And people are very challenged by that. And it can be a very difficult thing on someone to have had a stroke and not be able to do things like hold their children or, uh, or, or, or be able to support their children or be able to support their partner or be able to interact with their partner properly or to walk or to move or to get in the car. You know, getting in the car can be even a challenge for someone that's had a stroke, especially if half of your body is not even, you can't feel it and it doesn't function properly. 
now you got to learn how to get in a car. Maybe you're in a, in a wheelchair and you have to gear up your car for a handicap. You have to gear up your home for a handicap. These are things that you have to welcome after a stroke that we need help. We're in a day and age, and this is the day and age right now, where we have the best medicine, the best doctors, the best ability to take care of any human being in, in the whole history of all humanity right now, today, is the best opportunity you have to recover from a stroke. We are in a great, this, it's, as we get older and as time goes by, it's going to even improve that the medical issues will be resolved and that strokes can be taken care of. People that with strokes are going to have more, more uh, tools available to them as we go day by day by day into the future. And that's a good thing too. And so recovery, recovery, recovery is the main focus of a person with a stroke. And focusing on that and focusing on your attitude, taking on the depression, taking on the anxiety, become resilient. Resiliency is what keeps us alive. Be determined to beat the stroke. Be determined to get your life back. Be determined to accept limitations and adjust and adapt to your situations. That is what makes us human. That is what makes us vital. That's what makes us important is not what happens to you if it's a stroke. It's not what happens to you that's important. What's important is how you respond. And that is what makes us the person we are. That is what makes us have integrity. That's what makes us ability to trust ourselves, to be determined to overcome the obstacles that are placed in front of us in our life. And that helps inspire anyone around you despite your limitations. Also, your attitude. Your attitude is very important. A lot of people with strokes have chips on their shoulder and they feel like they're damaged goods and they feel guilt and shame and, they, and they, they feel a sense of disappointment and they feel like people are looking at them. Well, you know what? Let them. People, you know, it's not like people sit around and think about you all day long. You know, just a normal person, just a normal person as we are. You know, my kid's not going to be thinking about me all day long. My wife's not going to be thinking about me all day long. My you know, parents aren't going to be thinking. My sisters aren't going to be thinking about, you know, my daughter's not going to be thinking about me all day long. The thing is, we're not nearly as important as we think we are. And if we're going to look at ourselves as, oh, I'm being looked at, and that's just making yourself feel important. You know, usually if somebody's staring at you, they're thinking about, would that happen to me and how would I respond? All right. That's our show. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. You know, I'd, lo- I'd love to hear from you. You can do that on our webpage, voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now, remember, if you have a stroke, you now have the opportunity to allow people to choose to be good or evil when you fall or walk too slow. When Mel Brooks had a stroke, he asked the hospital staff, what the hell, guys? Have you never seen an old man after masturbation? <laughs> After having a stroke, it reminds us to remember of being a beginner every morning. And no one understands identity theft until after a stroke. Thanks for listening. 
That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 